Broadcasting live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Republic Boot Company in the Heights. Don't sweat the technique. It's the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Now bringing you the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio, here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I am Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It is a Monday edition of the Killer Bees. Brian McDonald behind the glass broadcasting live from Republic Boot Company. I love this place. This place is awesome for a variety of reasons. One, I feel like I'm in my element with my fellow Cowboys. First and foremost, people look at me and they go, that's a cowboy. And I feel like I'm amongst my fellow cowboys. All the cowboys are laughing at me. Uh, the boots smell fantastic. Yeah, they do. The leather smells so good. Yes, it does. The leather smells so good. There's a full bar, uh, Paul over there drinking a cold beer as he wears his cowboy gear, which I'm not sure cowboys wear jeans that tight that Paul has on. Those are pretty tight. Paulie's got, yeah, Paulie's got the Metro cowboy look going today with yeah. the hat and the snuggle bunnies for pants and all that that he's got going. Yeah, we got big shoes to fill, too. The Killer G's just went off the air for the first time. First show for the Killer G's. What did we think of the Killer G's? Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. I noticed that they don't like me calling their show that. I've, I've said it several times on Twitter. I haven't gotten one like for them. I, I don't think <laughs> that they like me calling their show the Killer G's which makes me inclined to call them the Killer G's even yeah, more man. often, quite frankly. If I got a like, maybe I would stop doing it. But since I didn't get a like, I'm going to do it nonstop, Blankers. I'm with non-stop. you on that. I'm totally with you on that. Because, you know, Joe George, I mean, he skipped town on us. He just decided we weren't good enough for him anymore. And then we, it's got, all, we got rid of him. And then it's all the celebratory things like getting away from us. So I'm fine with that, the Killer G's. Screw the G-men in my idea. We're just going to go with the Killer G's. You can call them the G-men. I call them the Killer G's. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. Uh, I call spring- them a lot worse than that. I do when I I'm mean, not on the air. You might. I do yeah. not. Um... Great to be here, first and foremost. Thanks so much for the hospitality. We'll be here all day. 15% off, by the way, Rodeo Ready Boots. I've already seen a few people walk in, pick up some boots. They'll size you, get you custom fitted, all of that stuff. Uh, this is the spot to do that. Spring training kicked off over the weekend. Blankers, do you have any hot takes from Astros spring training? Yeah, uh, it was hot enough, and they played baseball, and that's all I needed at this point. No one got hurt. The fact that the weather was fine and the baseball is now being played means we're one day closer with every day counting towards opening day so I'm excited about that I'm not going to try and nitpick like a lot of people on the internet and try and find every little thing uh, to worry about or to examine but I'm just happy we're yet ba- we're one day closer to playing baseball again yeah I, I take a lot away from uh, spring training now little things you know like the injuries or something that you have to follow um, I like to look at I like to look what a spot is doing with lineups just yes, to get an idea of like who is a better who he thinks is a better offensive player like one of the things that I noticed um, he's used David Hensley higher in the batting order twice over Greg Kessinger, and it's like, okay, do they think more of David Hensley as a hitter than Greg Kessinger? Now, Kessinger's probably a better defensive player than Hensley's at. I don't think it impacts necessarily, like, who makes the team, mm-hmm. but just kind of interesting that that happened. Uh, the fact that you have a guy that we didn't really think was in the mix to make this opening day roster is up in the order over Kessinger on two multiple occasions. I think the biggest news that came over the weekend, though, was that Jordan Alvarez is going to bat second, it looks like. Joe Espada was asked, you know, what his primary batting order would be. He says he likes the idea of Jordan Alvarez hitting in the two-hole. That's something that he wants to see. That's something that he likes, which I'm a huge fan of that. We, we went through our – what do we want our opening day lineups to look like? If we had a – if we had to our druthers and we could decide, well, that was the one thing that I would want more than anything else. If I could change one thing from last year, the one thing I would want more than anything else is I would want Jordan Alvarez to hit second, and it seems like Joe Espada is going to heed the advice of the Killer Bees. Yeah, you were spot on on that one, and you know we had talked about just as long as the, the, the first four are the first four, but you've been adamant on that even last season about moving Jordan up, and, and lo and behold, you go from a guy that was so standoffish of my way or the highway and the old school ways of Dusty Baker to a guy that before we even play a game that matters in, in, to start the season, he looks like he's open to a different way of thinking and he's going to be creative and innovative and, and just kind of do the kind of things that you got to believe that the front office and Dana Brown love because it seems like where Dusty was giving a whole lot of resistance, Joe Espada is going to be a guy that's going to be open-minded towards at least considering 
the way analytics and everything plays into the best way to manage a, a baseball team, and, and that's exciting if you're an Astros fan. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I think that's uh, something that you can look at. A lot of people are fighting back, well, you know, this is, you're not going to get the chances for RBIs and things like that. I don't care about individual accolades. I don't care about individual success. Like, where a guy's hitting in the batting order shouldn't, in fact, like, the, the fact of this guy getting 110 RBIs versus 90 RBIs should never enter the equation. That, that should never enter the equation of Joe Espada where, okay, well, if I bat Jordan second, he's going to drive in 90. If I bat him fourth, he's going to drive in 110. That should never enter his mind. The only thing that should enter his mind is how do I score the most runs as a team? How do the Houston Astros get the most runs out of the batting order I'm constructing, not how many RBIs is Jordan Alvarez going to get? And, and that's the thing that I've seen the most from these Astro fans that don't like the idea of Jordan hitting second. Well, he's not going to get his RBI chances. Well, you've had multiple players that bat second that lead the league in RBIs first and foremost. But secondly, you shouldn't be looking at it from a Jordan Alvarez RBI exposure point of view. You should be looking at it, well, what is the best way for the Houston Astros to score runs? And I think this is the best way for the Houston Astros to score runs. No doubt about it. And, and you know, you brought up the point that I, I wasn't willing to consider previously but was open-minded once you, you, you talked about the fact that how many times when, when you take a guy like Jordan you bat him third – does he come up with two outs? Does he come up with not only you know no ducks on the pond, but in a situation where they can either pitch around you and or it's not a very ideal situation for your best hitter to be in? And if you move him up to second and you know your, your leadoff hitter, whether it's Altuve or anybody else, you know as long as everybody's healthy, there should be plenty of ample opportunities to capitalize on a guy in front of him that can get on base, that can get knocks, that can set the table. So you know the fact that he's going to get more at bats, period, is a is a good thing because he's, in my opinion, the best player on the team. Uh, and the fact that he's not going to be coming up in less than ideal situations is also a huge advantage for the ball club. So I'm completely open to it. Yeah, Brian, you have any hot takes from spring training over the weekend? I was excited to see that, uh, and look, you know, you always have to take with a grain of salt the competition they're going up against, but Dubon right out of the box getting three hits in game one on Saturday because obviously that's going to be part of the conversation this year. Should it be Dubon playing a center? Should it be Jake Myers a center? Is it the unknown of somebody they acquired, you know, during the summer via trade? So uh, I was excited to see Dubon start off hot and maybe uh, ignite that debate even further. It's hard for me to give a whole lot of credence to spring training stats. Like, I, it's very difficult for me to do. I think the Astros have already made up their mind in center field. Uh, I think if Jake Myers hits a buck fifty in his time in spring training, and Mauricio Dubon hits three fifty, I think Jake Myers is getting the the majority of starts in center field. I feel like, I feel like we look at spring training numbers far more than the manager of the Astros, uh, Joe Espada is. The general manager of the Astros, Dana Brown, is. I don't feel I, I don't feel like they really use it a whole lot. I don't think they're going to look at, well, this is Jake Myers' batting average, this is Mauricio Dubon's batting average. It's more about, like, is he handling big league pitching? Because you could hit five lineouts, right? It's going to totally affect your spring training uh, statistics. I, I don't think that spring training numbers matter for those particular guys. I think the only place where spring training stats are going to matter, period, are these middle relievers fighting for these yeah. last few jumps? Like anything else, like you and I talking about anything from you know drafting and and tiers of different position players to anything with Major League Baseball when it comes to spring training, everybody's on a different tier, a different level, and there's a different point of concern with what you see. The veterans, we know what they can do. For the most part, all you want them to do is stay healthy, get their timing in their hitting, make sure that they're capable of playing their position in fielding. You're good. You can let them go play golf or go fishing or do all the things that they do to kill time and make sure they're ready for opening day. From a base, from a pitching perspective, it's totally different because now you're talking about guys that have been there, done that, and as long as you feel like their arm's ready to do it again, you're good. But in the case of Verlander, he's older. We know that he came in already with the kind of somewhat red flagging news of the fact that he was a little behind so you're watching that but the main thing that we're watching is center field is there a competition or not and what's going to play out there and then what's going on with the pitching staff as it relates to the bullpen who's going to fill those critical positions you don't know who who has locked them down yet and then you're going to be watching these guys because a lot of these guys are working on pitches so you're going to say and a, and a lot of the other times too you're playing split squads where you're not playing major league hitters to really have a firm judge of how they're getting guys out anyway. But yeah. the, only the coaching staff and the pitching staff know that, and then you've got to make your evaluations, unlike the common fan who's watching, well, how many runs did he give up? Did he get lit up? 
Yeah, I don't think Forrest Whitley, by the way, is a a real person. Uh, he's he's hurt again, uh, an injured right middle finger. Which, how do you injure your right? I'm kidding. I mean, he's probably he probably uses it a lot to grip his pitches, things like that. But here was an opportunity again for Forrest Whitley yep. to kind of like take the reins, to to take over this bullpen, or not take over the bullpen, but to earn a job, to earn a starting job on the opening day roster. And he's already hurt with a, with a little little middle finger bruise. The guy's soft. He doesn't exist. He's not real. To me, it's appropriate that it's the middle finger because it seems like from the Astros perspective that's what you got the entire time when you thought that this guy was actually the pointer finger number one in your organization as a prospect that was just going to be a matter of time before he made a massive impact and we haven't seen him do anything impactful in a positive way uh, since he joined the organization just another setback just another reason to not count on this guy it's a conversation that we had when his name was popping up as possible a middle relief position you just have to see if he can stay healthy. It would be great to finally say that there's a role for him to play where we could see him kind of finally get to the big leagues and make an impact for this club. And yet again now, we're probably looking at a triple-A start for him if he's healthy and can get back to healthy soon enough, and then maybe there's a chance later in the year. Did like what I saw from Hunter Brown. Now, you mentioned the split squads. Yep. They were facing the Cardinals' B team. So, you know, proceed with caution here a little bit. Uh, but I like the fact that he went two scoreless. Looked like his stuff is really playing. Spencer Arigetti pitched earlier today. Like it's starting to it's starting to fill mm-hmm. out. But the most important thing is the thing you mentioned: the injuries. Like yeah. Justin Verlander, you want to make sure that he's good to go. I'm going to have my Branham 2.0 opening day roster projections a little bit later. I'll tease one of them. I don't think Verlander is going to be ready for opening day. Like he keeps being asked, you know, the timeline, the timeline. He's like, it would be a bit premature. He said it's going to be tight. If it's tight, don't worry about it. Bring him back two weeks into the start of the season. Yeah, look, again, it's, it's, it's what we always say, especially with guys that are that important to a ball club. It's not how you start the season, but make sure you're there for the finish. And, and that's what you really need. We All anticipation and expectation with this team is they're going to be there at the end. They're going to be competing for playoffs. And that's when you want Justin Verlander to be in his best form, and you hope that he is injury-free at that point. To start the season... There's enough starting pitching. We talked about depth even with the injuries and the fact that you can live without JV for a start or two or maybe even the first month of the season just as long as he's getting primed up and ready so that his arm is going to be fresh. He's going to be able to get back into the form that we're used to seeing him at. And even if he is a little bit lower on the, on the totem pole than he was at his prime, he's still a hugely impactful player for this ball club that they need in crunch time when it, when they go down the stretch. 713-780-ESPN. What, what are the biggest storylines coming from West Palm Beach in spring training to you? Uh, Jordan being that two-hole hitter for Joe Espada, I think, is the biggest thing. 713-780-3776. We'll collect your thoughts on that. Also, we'll get to that uh, opening day roster projection. 2.0 with the Killer Bees. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. On YouTube, all you have to do is search ESPN975. Five on YouTube. Very professional conversations are, are had there. On Twitter, he's at Pac-Man Joel. Brian's at Sacked by BMAC. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Killer Breeze broadcasting live from uh, Republic Boot Company in the Heights. Swing on by on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Back with the Killer Bees, broadcasting live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Republic Boot Company in the Heights. Now here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the uh, Killer Beasts on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, broadcasting live from Republic Boot Company, where today they're giving you 15% off rodeo-ready boots. Also an opportunity to win a Turtle Box speaker, which is a Bluetooth speaker, not a radio. This, I guess they left this notes for Joe because he didn't know. Joe won half of the Killer G's. A great spot, though. Smells fantastic. Full bar whenever you're shopping around. Uh, great spot. Swing on by, saying hello to us. Already a couple people swinging on by, saying hello to us. Uh, so if you're in the area, come on out. Republic Boot Company, where you get 15% off your rodeo-ready Michael's boots. here. A couple other people were stopping by saying hi. It's a good good crowd. It's a really neat place. Perfect little spot in the Heights, too. Cozy, but yet got everything that you need for rodeo season. The boots, are like you said, are just beautiful. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HR&P listener line. Robbie, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Robbie? Hey, how y'all doing today? What's up, Robbie? Hi. Um, I'm perfectly fine with Alvarez batting in the two spot because I figure over the course of the season, that gives him at least 50 more at-bats. What do y'all think on how many at-bats he gets extra batting number two? I'll hang up and listen. 
It depends on the health. It depends on his health. But if you assume that he plays like 150 games, I think the difference – it depends on where you're comparing it to in the lineup. But if you're comparing second and fourth, it's like 50 at-bats. Mm. So do I want Jordan Alvarez to have 50 more at-bats? Yes. Uh, do I want Jordan Alvarez to have 50 more at-bats over the course of the year, even if he's sacrificing a little bit in RBI situations? Yes. But I'm not so sure that he will sacrifice a ton. Like if you're getting those 54, 50 more at-bats, you have a good leadoff hitter in front of you. Uh, players have led the league in RBIs from the two spot. Aaron Judge a couple of years ago went nuts, but majority of his bats came in the two spot, and he actually led off a lot that season as well. So give me the best player, the most at bats. So that's that's part of the reason I love it so much. Well, and the other thing, as you mentioned, Jeremy, we see more and more best players in baseball being moved up from leadoff to, to the top two spots in the lineup just for the extra at-bats, just for the impact when the lineup turns over and you turn it over and have one of your big thumpers that also hits for average right there at the top. You mentioned Aaron Judge, Mike Trout. They, they've moved up. They've experimented with. There's a lot of guys in this league that when they're rolling and they're really hitting well, managers have no qualms about, especially their more modern New Day managers, about moving up in the lineup to maximize every opportunity. And I don't think it's it, the only question that ever comes into play with Jordan is health because when he's healthy, the combination of average and power and everything he brings to the table, you want him up there as much as he possibly can. You see the devastation that he can do every swing of the bat. So I, I think that's why I said when we had this discussion last week, as long as those top four hitters are in the top four and you're not you're not taking them out, I think you're in a really good spot. But if Jordan's ideal spot and Joe Espada's mind goes along with your way of thinking and moves him up to the two-hole, then so be it. Let's roll because I have confidence in all four of those guys all four of those guys' skill sets bring different things to the table, but I think that just the overall of all everything on the table, Jordan's the most talented hitter in that top four, and you want him to get the, the you want to maximize his ability. Three two zero nine. I feel like I have pitched more innings than Forrest Whitley, and I graduated college in two thousand twenty one. Uh, you probably have. I mean, that's, your arm's got to be sore, but yeah, big league innings are the same. Four three two one. Good afternoon, guys. Regardless of preseason, I like Dubon playing. Myers, you're getting straight out uh, too much. Uh, talk on the street, everyone blowing up uh, Diaz. Uh, I guess that means Yiner Diaz. I think Yiner Diaz is going to go nuts this year. I hope so. I think he's going to have a really good season. Look, Dubon's going to play a lot. Like, Dubon's going to play a lot. He doesn't need to be the everyday center fielder to play a lot. And I think we probably put too much emphasis on opening day lineups. Like, if if you're a playoff team in 2024 and Jake Myers is not good in the first three months, you're probably trading for an outfield bat. Mm -hmm. If for some reason you don't trade for an outfield bat and Jake Myers is just not good the whole season and Mauricio Dubon's playing really well, well, who do you think is going to get priority in the playoffs? Mauricio Dubon. Sure. Like, you, you're going to ease into the season in baseball uh, more so than, than in, like, the NFL. NFL, you got to be ready to go because it's one of 17. Baseball is a marathon, and I know that's a cliche. I know you hate hearing it, but they're going to give Jake Myers, even if he's poor in spring training, ample time to try to win the job. Let's be honest. As much as, and I particularly hated when Dusty gave guys days off because it was their time to have days off, even if they were hot, Joe Spot is still going to give these guys days off. And so, therefore, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to move Dubon around the diamond and get him the at-bats, the starts, and, and the playing time that he needs and that he's earned. And if he keeps hitting the baseball, they're going to find a way to put him in the lineup. Jake Myers, on the other hand, you're right. I mean, Dubon could be your bridge because you'd still ideally like – Dubon to be a guy that can play infield and the outfield and be moved around because injuries are going to happen and opportunities are going to change based on those injuries. And you're going to want Dubon's flexibility. So until you find an everyday center fielder, if Jake doesn't turn out to be the guy, then Dubon can help bridge that gap. Chaz can slide over from time to time. Jordan's got to get at least 52 games in left field. And then from there, you look at the big picture. In the big picture, the best weapon that Dubon can be is a flexible guy that can play wherever you need him to play. And so you want you don't want to take away that flexibility and the ability to be, uh, if you're from a lineup, at defensively and offensively, that perspective, the, to have that flexibility. So you're probably going to hunt for another center fielder, but in the meantime, you've even got two on the roster because even with Dubon, Chaz can slide over and play center field. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's go back out to the HRMP listener line. Ryan, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, sports fellas? Uh, wrong show. Anyway, hey, uh, right? let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Astros. And I wanted to know what y'all guys thought about the debut of the Double G's. Let me know. <laughs> Double G. They're the Killer G's. Yeah, the Killer G's sounded good. I enjoyed listening to them on the way here. Uh, it was good chemistry from day one, just because of what Paul brings to the table. Um, I, I thought that. Uh, 
I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity for Joe George. He's earned it. He's busted his tail, and uh, it's going to be a fun show. I was prepping and doing other things on the way in. Didn't get a chance to listen to the Killer G's, but I understand Paul was talking crap. I do understand Paul was talking a little bit of smack. So, Glott, you talking crap later. after we were pumping you guys up today? <laughs> he, he immediately walked away. Yeah, walking away in his <laughs> mantrosexual <laughs> jeans. He immediately walked away. I said, we'll get Snuggy to that Bear's later. talking crap what after did, uh, we were pumping him up. What did he say? The uh, what did he say? The thing? What? What did the caller say? The caller said what about? You said wrong show. Oh, yeah, because he said because he said sports. That's how you used the, oh, the blitz. Used to I'm okay with that. I can just restart that tradition. I haven't. We were going to play it later at four fifteen. But what was that? Here. I don't uh, – BMAC, uh, he texted me and said, Paul, threw a little bit of shade. You want to play on the I, air? I, I said, I I said, like, mock drafts are, said mock drafts are stupid. You don't get They're the bit. <laughs> I do I, get the bit. I agree. <laughs> I do get the bit because I, underst- I understand you, you, you SOB online. But I hate – It's an Easter egg we have with the listeners. Paul's talking about mock drafts are stupid. I agree. I think mock drafts are stupid. I think there's a way to purpose them to be fun. Yeah, um, now, <laughs> we, we said at the start of mock draft season that my mocks that I post every day are going to be what? Easter eggs to the listeners. So we're going to make fun of all the people that get mad at me at Twitter for making all these terrible <laughs> draft picks. And then Paul, I guess Paul did it today. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what you said. I, ju- I just wanted we, – we t- Joe got us talking about uh, mock drafts, and then I just – my eyes rolled back into my head, and I unleashed, <laughs> I unleashed hell upon the concept of mock drafts. We're going we're gonna to play it later. One half of the killer Gs, uh, Paul Gallant. Yeah. Uh, with us. The other half is here. hovering. Look at that. He didn't like that I said and that. And then if we go from what's wrong with Dusty's lineup to what's wrong with Joe's, I mean, Joe did create this new lineup. So there, there's there's the lineup that we can attack Joe for is that this was all his big idea. Oh. Joe's saying I don't want credit for that. Yeah. He's, he's oh, yeah. He's literally part of the lineup. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for it. Uh, 7990. Player right coach. <laughs> you know, it, what Paul said once upon a time was that he was kind of favoring the deck to get himself on air. Didn't you say that oh, once upon I did. a time? I did. Yeah. I did. He and was. Now, it's fine. All of a sudden, the game a, is the game. He's Bubba. got a major spot. I mean, did you see his up. self-written press releases about himself that came out this weekend? Yeah. There were like four of them. It's just funny how it all played I, out. I noticed there's a lot of quotes about Joe. There weren't many about me in that press yeah. release. Yeah. Did they yeah. come directly from Joe? <laughs> yeah. Joe wears a lot of hats. <laughs> Seven nine nine zero. I think what is not being talked about enough is that not only will Jordan get fifty more abs, one would presume this will also get Tucker fifty or more abs since he will no longer be hitting fifth or sixth. That's a great point. Yeah. Now that, that's that, whenever we were arguing lineups tooth and nail the other day, the the focus was the top four need to be the top four yeah. in whatever order. We didn't even really care. The one thing that I would have pushed the hardest on was give me Jordan in the second spot. But if you believe in lineup feng shui and separating your lefties, Jordan right. hitting second means Tucker's going to hit fourth, which means now Tuve hits first and Bregman hits third. Perfect. Simple. Perfect. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is to uh, one of the listeners that brought it up early, the, if early returns are that Yiner's on fire, that's a great problem to have because now you can start figuring out who 5, 6, and 7 are going to be. And, and if Abreu picks up where he left off and Yiner is hitting the, the cover off of it, now you've got even better problems to try and figure out if you're Joe Espada because now you could go six deep with your first six hitters and go, I'm not touching my top four. I love the fact that I got two guys pushing each other that are both hitting the ball as well, and that will strengthen even more so the bottom half of your lineup no matter who you put into it, yeah. and it's not going to be Maldi at number nine based basically an out waiting to happen either. So the, the upside for this offense, regardless of how hot they look already, is, is going to be night and day, I think, better than it was a year ago. Obviously, the first key is just stay healthy, and it's a better lineup. All right, here's Branham opening day projection 2.0. You guys tear it up. Uh, Yiner's my catcher. Abreu playing first. Altuve at second. Bregman at third. Pena at short. Chaz in left. Myers in center. Tucker in right. Jordan the DH. Remember, this is my prediction. Right. Uh, my bench is Caratini's my backup catcher. Mm-hmm. Dubon my utility infielder. Kessinger makes it because you need another infielder as well. And then Singleton gets that final roster spot. Uh, you want to go hitters and then pitchers? Any any, discre- any discrepancies there? So the only question I would say is your fourth outfielder is Jordan because he's your DH, right? And probably Dubon. Okay. And, Dubon's and the fact play that Dubon can play multiple. Okay. So then that makes sense. All now, right. to your point, maybe that's a reason to carry Jolks and not Singleton. Right, because I was going to say either Jolks. Uh, or, or, cabbage, or cabbage, if cabbage, and that's one of the guys that actually has to look good uh, in, in, in camp mm-hmm. for, for him to truly earn a spot with this, this organization going forward. So there is a guy that you can watch and kind of nitpick a little bit more. But, yeah, I was curious just who the fourth outfielder was. The, um, it, it would be Dubon, but if they're saying that, that Jordan's going to start 49 games in left field, 51. like that <laughs> comes into play too. But that last, the last roster spot's the, the bench spot's the one that I'm the, – 
the least confident in because I think you could go a variety of different directions. You can go Singleton. Singleton has uh, doesn't have options, right. so if he doesn't make the team, he's cut. Whereas Cabbage has options, Jolks has options. You can place them in AAA, and they don't leave the organization. So that's why I'm giving Singleton the the benefit of the doubt sense. there. And injuries, like, like we always talk about, injuries and things are going to happen to where, and maybe Jolks is not, he picks up where he left off instead of how he started the season. And if you want to make a switch there, you can eventually make a switch there. The thing that bothers me is, is the fact that your utility guy is a guy that I don't think brings anything offensively to the table on the infield side. And that's something that they may look at as the season gets longer. You're, you're talking about Kessinger, yep. not Dubon. Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about Kessinger. Yeah, I think Kessinger's kind of just play by, like, if somebody's down. Hopefully he doesn't get a whole lot of run. Uh, starting rotation, I have Fromber and Justin Ver- Verlander, not on the opening day roster. I'm predicting they start on the injury Fromber list. Fromber, too? Did I say Fromber? Yeah. I thought I said France. You said, you know, you said Fromber and My bad, and I meant Verlander. France. Oh, okay, Verlander gotcha. and yeah, France. Yeah. So yep. my starting rotation is Fromber, Javier, Brown, Urquidy, and Renel Blanco, since I'm without two starters mm-hmm. here. And then in the bullpen, I'm going to have to make an adjustment because Abreu suspended the first two games, right. and apparently you can put them on the restricted list. I didn't realize that. Uh, so Hayter, Presley, question marks, Montero, Ortega, Olivier Ortega makes the, t- makes the theme over Dylan Coleman. Uh, Souza, Martinez, and Belak. But is there a name that you'd rather see? Meshinsky? Well, I mean, you, you got to see amongst all these guys who really. Still you know, a lot of time to yeah, play. Yeah, you got to judge it based on the end of camp because I think that's going to come down to the final, final game of camp, I think, in a lot of ways to try and figure it out. But, yeah, I'm glad Souza's on there because I, I, I just believe that that guy's got major league stuff and I think that he can compete. Um, you'd really like to see some other some of the other veterans kind of pick it up and, and fit in. And right now, it, this Whitley thing couldn't have happened at, an, at a more inopportune time for him, for the yep. organization. And now you're right. It does open a door for someone that we probably weren't even considering. See, I took him off of the uh, the team because of that, mm-hmm. because he's injured. And I think that an injured pitcher is going to have a really difficult time to uh, to make the team. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's go back out there for Chris. Chris. Chris, you're in the high for the bees. What's going on? Chris. Going once, going twice. Chris is gone. Uh, call back later, Chris. We'll try to get to you. 713-780-3776. Speaking of those starting pitchers, what's the range of outcomes for these Houston Astros starters? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Republic Boot Company on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, we know right now the weather's perfect, but at a certain point you're going to be faced with either those boiling hot Houston summers or when it gets really chilly in the wintertime, and you need to protect your biggest investment, which is your house. Best way to do that, get in touch with my friends at Allstate Windows and Siding. They are the best in the business when it comes to windows and siding and creating that outer protection barrier between the elements and your house. Hurricane season, it can be a beast. Those double-pane windows and the vinyl windows and all the different options they have for you, they're going to protect, and they're also going to possibly save you up to 40% on your energy bills. It's fantastic when you deal with Mary and Mike and the family. They've been in business for almost 50 years. They've been doing this kind of thing, helping out Houstonians, and they love doing it. They sponsor the station. They love sports. They love the sports teams, and they love helping you. That's why you call them. You call 832-204-1936. They will come to you and tell you how they can help, whether you're looking at siding windows or both. They are the ones with all the answers and the best plan to get it done, 832-204-1936. Right now, lots of specials going on. It's absolutely fantastic. They've got everything to help you out, 30% off on uh, off on all windows and 24 months interest-free, 24 months interest-free on siding as well, and $2,500 off on a complete siding job check it out they also have discounts for senior citizens first responders and military all you can do if you want to just check out the website allstatewindowsandsiding.com and then when you want them to come out call them and get in contact with mary mike and the family 832-204-1936 get in touch with allstate windows and siding Broadcasting live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Republic Boot Company at East 11th Street in the Heights. Here are the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank on Branham, Killer Bees, podcasting live at the Republic Boot Company. 15% off Rodeo Ready Boot. It smells fantastic, and I love the fresh, the smell of a fresh it's, leather. It's baseball. Full bar, a little cold beer. It's baseball, yeah. I mean, it's when a, you got your first it, yeah. bit, that I, smell... It's a weird comp, but yeah, I'm here for it. But it's it, true. It, it yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah. it's the, the smell of fresh leather. You walk in the door and you just it, 
punches you in the face in a good way. You get that new mitt and you put it in your bag, and every time you open up your bag, your baseball bag, or whatever, you smell it, you're like, oh, yeah. We've made, uh, we've made listening and watching your favorite sports radio station even easier. We're officially streaming on the ESPN YouTube channel each and every day. Now you can easily listen and watch anywhere and everywhere. If you listen every day and like us, clicking our YouTube subscribe button makes a big difference for us. It matters. Uh, so remember, viewers, smash that like button, subscribe if you have not already done so. Uh, let's talk about the range of these starting pitchers because the Astros can go in a bunch of different ways. Like We've talked about this, uh, I think, last week where we were saying how you view the Astros rotation, it tells you if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of guy because you can be optimistic about any of them. You can be pessimistic about any of them. Uh, pessimism with, with JV, he's old. Fromber's a basket case that's going to pitch like the second half. Javier uh, is ruined by the pitch clock. Hunter Brown is, you know, just a, a reliever that's starting, like Keith Law said once upon a time. J.P. France was a flash in the in the pan. He, he doesn't have good stuff. So you can be pessimistic. You can be optimistic. J.V. is going to last a little longer. Fromber first half. Javier first half. Hunter Brown stuff's going to play. J.P. Fran, France wasn't a flash in the plan. Uh, Jose Urquini is a very reliable back end of the rotation pitcher. So you can go both ways on, this, on these guys. So what is the range of outcomes for these starting pitchers? Let's start at the top, assuming that it's Justin Verlander at the top. What is the range for his season in 2024? Look, I, I think that he's still going to be very, very good and very productive. You're hopeful that it's two weeks or less in terms of this initial setback that kind of has got us wondering if he's going to be ready when the season starts. But I just feel like he's just got one of those unnaturally rubbery arms for the most of his career. And even if his stuff isn't great anymore, it's still above average. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's probably going to be hovering around 325, 350 ERA. But I think that he's going to give you the innings you need, and he's going to be a workhorse come playoff time. He'll be a bulldog at the top of your rotation. I, I'm not concerned as I would have been if he couldn't. He's still throwing on flat ground, and we got a lot of the McCullers signs that we saw over the last two injuries that he's had. Yeah, the um, I'm not as concerned about the Verlander. Like he's he's throwing, like and they're amping right. him up. Like so, I'm I'm okay with where Ver, Verlander is at, and I kind of want to limit his innings anyways. Like it's right. not he's he, at his age. Like I need him to be strong in the second half and then in October more than I need him to be strong at the start of the season in April. Right. So I'm actually okay where where it's at. I don't love that it's a shoulder, but he's still pitching. Like it's not structural. It's just a little bit of soreness, but he's pitching through it. He hadn't thrown anything but a fastball yet, but they're ramping him up. They're intensifying him. So I'm I'm fine with where he's at. It's also a blessing in disguise because the only person that really wants to keep Justin from slowing down a little bit, and not pitching as many innings, is everybody but Justin Verlander. So if you can keep him from out of the way of himself, and he has to understand, hey we got to do what's right right now health-wise, then maybe that's that's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, so I think that his range this season, though, like I don't think he's a sub-3 ERA guy anymore. I think his range at his very best is he's around a 3 ERA, 25, 27 starts. Uh, somewhere like that. But I think the high end of him, I think he could be a little north of four. Like, if, if it goes wrong for Verlander, I think that – I know it's a full-run ERA, but I think he's going to be around uh, that range of three to four, depending on how, you know, wide that gap ultimately comes and to, again, to be. And from a blessing from him, his perspective, because he's chasing wins, too, to try and get where he wants to go individually, you got a much better offensive lineup. And, and so it, it probably translates a lot better this year than it would a year ago to have an ERA, ERA in the range that you're talking about. How about Fromber? I, I really believe Fromber's going to bounce back. We had this conversation a few weeks ago, and I said that I thought that he would be at the All-Star break right where he was a year ago. He'd be in the at the top of the Cy Young conversation. I believe that you know having having the time in the offseason to kind of regather and give his arms some rest uh, and come back with a clean frame of mind, um, I really believe that's the biggest thing for him. And then when you saw him show up the first day and he was in shape and he looked like he was tighter and stronger um, and, and looked like that he was ready to go, I, I believe he is fully engaged and, and, and dialed in mentally and physically. And, and I just think the sky's the limit for him. I, I think that we're going to see another first half just like we did a year ago, only this time I think he'll he'll carry it over into the second half. I feel pretty good with uh, Fromber this season. Like I, I know that he fell apart last year. I think it had a lot to do with the All-Star game, and I think he's going to come back with some – like. With that the chip on his shoulder, I think he's going to pitch well, and I think that his his isn't as volatile as Verlander's. Like I could see, I could see Fromber having a sub three ERA. I don't think he's going to be worse than like a three thirty, three forty guy. No, and I think the other thing, Jeremy, is just like when we talk about different things in sports when they're first initiated. That that pitch clock that first year threw everybody off. There's a lot of guys that were adjusting on the fly, and and guys adjust differently with the way that they kind of can grasp and understand and, and kind of figure out their own body and their own 
clock in, in terms of how they do things. I think maybe even Hunter Brown and some other guys too, I think are guys that now with another full se- a full off season to kind of fine-tune what they need to do, knowing what they went through a year ago when maybe they did struggle and had to rush a little bit or get out of wind or do these kind of things. I think that's going to benefit a lot of the pitchers on this staff because I think their planning, their training, and the way they kind of approach their craft changed due to something like that. I look at all those guys like kind of jumbled together. Fromber, Javier, Hunter Brown. Now, Hunter Brown doesn't have like the resume that a Fromber does and then not even as much as Javier does because Javier had a season as a starter and had postseason success. But I, I think that they're all kind of in that they're, if they're really good, they're going to be dominant. But they also have that volatility and the mm-hmm. blow up a little bit because we saw it with all three of them last year. Uh, JV's is more about age and like where is his stuff at whenever he's this old. And then you have the two injury guys with uh, Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers. Like, what is fair to expect for two guys that are coming off pretty major surgeries, 12 month injuries, 12 month recoveries, uh, coming back in the middle of the summer? Yeah, I think that a lot will be dictated by, by the, and the level of concern will be dictated by how well the top three pitch. And, and if Javier is thrown into that mix, because I think he looks better, he is a guy that I think probably changed some things in terms of his preparation and the way that he went about his business based on the the, the pitch clock and everything that happened a year ago. I think that if those guys are on, then obviously you're not rushing as quickly to get them back. But I think that as long as at a certain point around the All-Star break to August 1st, they get back and look like they are their old selves again – you're in a phenomenal position because now you can stretch out your starters if you want. You can go to the six-man rotation if you want to or need. And the fact is is that you've got so many different options going down the stretch to use the right pitchers and figure out who your top five are going to be. And, and in the playoffs, you don't even need five. You know what I want from Garcia and McCullers? I want them to be on the playoff roster. Like, that's all I want. Like, I, I don't really – I don't care how it happens because if they're going to make the playoff roster, then they would have had to show – the, the you know the coaching staff and the front office they would have to have shown something mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to go up there and be hurt and make the postseason roster they're not going to be pitching to an ADRA and being shelled and make the postseason roster I think they're going to have to show positives in order to make the postseason roster so like what do you want from Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia I want them to be enough to make the postseason roster that's it that's it. I don't even care what it looks like. If one of them comes back and they're making seven starts and they have a 325 ERA, awesome. That's great. But just give me a couple of arms, one of each, both of them, right, uh, to make the postseason roster to give the Astros some weapons and some options when the postseason runs, comes out. I hear you. I, I, just like, I would like to have one of them make seven or eight starts and look like he is fully capable of taking a spot from someone in your top four, if Hunter Brown is teetering a little bit or he's not dialed in, or for whatever reason Javier isn't the same pitcher that he was, God forbid there's another injury somewhere along the line, I would just like to know that there's one other guy that not only can I plug and play, but I can rely on to be a guy that's going to keep me in a ball game and possibly pitch a really good game for me when I need it. So I hear what you're saying. I would just like one of those guys to kind of show me that if necessary, you have the option to basically plug him back into the rotation and he can be an effective starting pitcher in the playoffs. Yeah, I think being on the playoff uh, playoff roster, though, I think one of them probably would be. I hope so. I think one of them probably would be. they got to be stretched out now, too, though. Yeah, they do. And maybe that maybe that's not likely with them coming back in the middle of the year. I, I agree with you, though. Like It'd be awesome if one of them could. Zero uh, five one one. they've all been good to great at some point. If half of them are where... If half of them are, where does that put the Strohs? In the playoffs. No it doubt. puts them in the playoffs no with a doubt. strong rotation or a strong pitching staff. I mean, you'd love to stay in the driver's seat, but then everything else has to fall in place, too. The offense has to be clicking. Everybody's got to be having either the same kind of year like a Chaz had a year ago and or whatever Jake Myers or center field's doing. And then Abreu has to look like the guy he was a year ago with no Maldi in the lineup. If Yiner's good, uh, everything falls into place. This team should be a top of the American League and should be sitting in a great spot to go to the playoffs if every along with the pitching staff, the offense does its part. There's no reason not to expect that now, but we know injuries happen, things come up, guys slump a little bit, and you got to deal through it just like they did a year ago. 713-780-3776-3367. I heard y'all say uh, you're cool with bringing back the blitz greeting as sports. I agree. There are a lot of loyal listeners of 97.5 who still tune in even though the blitz is gone. Do it for the listeners. Sports. Hey. We like the Blitz. We're not anti-Blitz around here no, at all. You uh-huh. want to carry on some Blitz traditions? We're not going to stand in the way of that. Keep it coming. 
713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live. Republic Boot Company. Swing on by. 15% off. Rodeo Ready Boots. Smells great in here. Everybody's swinging by, taking a taking a little cold drink with them, too. That's always good. All right, things I love from the Rockets right now. Got to be a little optimistic where the Rockets are. I've been rooting for them to lose because I want ping pong balls. They lost yesterday. So if they lost yesterday, I'm rooting for them to lose. There are some positives that I'm liking, though. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, a word from my bookie. My bookie, you guys know there's sports going on every night of the week now. College basketball ramping up, getting ready for the conference tournaments and then the big tournament, and then, of course, NBA every night. Lots of other sports when you get to the weekend with the golf tournaments and UFC and all and hockey. Uh, if you want a great place to go to put your money down when you want to make a sporting event more interesting than just watching it live and, and, and have a wager on it, you go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag, best in the business when it comes to making sure your money is safe and secure and you've got a spot to put money down on just about anything going on. They take care of you, and they always take care of you as a customer even more when you listen to us. That's because you know our promo code BET975. When you use that code, you get all kinds of ways that on a pretty consistent basis you can get uh, advantages and bonuses like the fact that you do the either the re-up bonus and or the first-time bonus, and you can double your money putting in anything from 50 to to $1,000. The fact of the matter is if you put in 50 and you use our promo code, now you get got 100, more money in your account, more games you can bet on, more chances you can win. You know the drill. And then on top of that, even when there aren't games going on, if there's uh, uh, something that you want to do, you're bored, you want to gamble, they've got live dealers standing by with casino games like blackjack and poker too. Like I said, been in business a long time, always focused on the customer. Check them out today and use that promo code BET975. As I always tell you to do, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag. Broadcasting live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Republic Boot Company at East 11th Street in the Heights. Here are the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Come out to Republic Boot Company in the Heights. Have a, have a drink as you shop these fantastic boots. 15% off today, Rodeo Ready Boots. It is Rodeo Eve, too, by the way. Uh, rodeo officially kicks off tomorrow. That's why we're out at Republic Food Company today because it's Rodeo Eve. So get geared up for rodeo season uh, beginning tomorrow. We saw the cook-off last week, uh, which looked fantastic. Big Blake on the stage it. tomorrow night. Is Blake Shelton Blake performing Shelton tomorrow? It off. I'm a big Blake Shelton fan. Are you? Kicking it off with your boots. Yeah, I like Blake Shelton a lot. And they made Gwen... Like, she got the key to the city in Galveston this week. Really? For something, too, yeah. Yeah, she's good. I, oh, I prefer she, my country music, though. They debuted a new uh, big cruise ship. Yeah. And she became the mayor of the cruise ship or something like that. So then Galveston She makes all the said, laws in the cruise? I guess so. Interesting. There's a George Strait little, uh, po- what would you call this? Like a cutout. Cutout. There's a George Strait cutout. That's life-size. Yeah, it is. It's life-size of George Strait. He is the king. So in the presence of greatness right now. At the Republic Boot Company. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Rockets screwed up and won a game against Phoenix the other day. How uh, didn't they? they screwed it up, screwed up and won. Uh, but yesterday they lost. Good. Back into the losing column. Uh, I won ping pong balls. I think you're in the favor of mm-hmm. ping pong balls as well. Uh, Rockets, second half, just got a – Thunder are really good, first and foremost. The Thunder yes, are a good are. basketball team. Uh, but they ran away with it. They're a matchup problem, too, because Chet plays the five for them. And he can shoot. So it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to try to abuse them on the other end by taking advantage of your size? Or are you going to try to match up with their, you know, Shen small Gun ball lineup? Just in, on an island yeah. of nowhere. And, and, and Ime wasn't – he was trying to use them off the ball, like mm-hmm. on some of the other lesser offensive players because he knows that Shingun's not capable of defending Chet at the five. So – uh, they're they're a nightmare mismatch. I think the best way to beat Oklahoma City is just out physical them. Like if you're gonna you're yeah. gonna give up some stuff, you're gonna give up some stuff with their speed and athleticism and their shooting ability because the way they space the floor. Okay, fine. We're gonna give you some of that stuff there, but then on the offensive end, we're going to abuse you physically and we're gonna grab every single rebound. I also think you got to start from the perimeter and, and then work your way inside because their three point shooting is just far too good. They've got Joe. They've got several guys, and even when Ch- and when Chet's hitting his three as well, yeah. uh, it really spaces the floor so much so that they have options all over the all over the court. Unless you try and, like you said, kind of get them get more up on them uh, on the perimeter, force them to try and drive, and then you're going to need help on, on your bigs, uh, kind of covering up in the lane when, when if they do have a, a tendency to get by your first line of defense. But when you look at it, the one thing that the Rockets don't have because there's a, there's a, a really good way to lose. 
and they were at least in that game last night. They were hovering around. They were hanging with two very young rosters. Were playing blow for blow. But the one thing the Rockets don't have is Shade Gilgis Alexander. And, and SGA just at times took that game over and showed you he is one of the best quiet secrets in this league still, even though he made the all-star team. His finishes around the basket. He doesn't sit there and berate officials. He doesn't make a, a spectacle, of, spectacle of himself. But when he has the ball in his hands, inside, outside, and anywhere in between, that dude is a bucket waiting to happen, and he is phenomenal. I couldn't remember where he got drafted, and I looked it up yesterday as I was watching the game. He was he was outside of the top ten. Yeah. He was in the uh, the 11th pick of the 18 draft out of Kentucky. He was coming off the bench for Kentucky early in his freshman year. Uh, so it goes to show you that you can find gems, like, and that's why I want the Rockets to have their own draft pick. Like, well, everybody everybody will always come back at me. Well, they have Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's pick. pick. Cool. Yeah. Don't you want two? Sure. Like, wouldn't it be better to have two? But the things that I the things that I am super encouraged with in these last you know run of games, last couple of games, I'm in Thompson. I know he didn't have a good shooting game yesterday. That dude's a freak. Like, Amin Thompson is a freak. Uh, I love what he does on the defensive end. He's explosive getting to the rim. I kind of want this team, as we go forward in the next few years, and, you know, is Jalen Green going to get traded? Are you going to consolidate your young players to get, like, one star, et cetera, et cetera? I like the idea of Amin Thompson with the ball in his hands, Shingun giving you a post threat, Jabari being a shooter at the four, and then surrounding that trio with really good shooters. Yeah. With really good I like shooters. That. I like that. I think I had an argument going t- today with a couple of guys, NBA guys, uh, about uh, Amen's handles. Because everybody knows he's got to work on his shot. Sure. But I, I don't think his handles are bad. I think he sees the floor really well. I think there's times when, because he's still adjusting to NBA basketball and some of the physicality and other things, he gets a little sloppy with the ball. But I don't think it's about him having handles to control the basketball. You love everything about he's got the ideal basketball frame for the NBA these days with his wingspan, with his his hops, his ability to, to control the ball in so many different ways. I'm more and more excited about Amen Thompson every single day, and I believe his shot will get better. But I don't. I'm not concerned with his ball handling at all. No, I'm a. I'm a big fan. Like I love watching him play, and I. If Fred VanVleet wasn't on this team, I'd be okay with it because that means you'd be forced into playing a men 30, 32, 35 minutes of the point. Um, now you can't get out of that contract. I don't think. I don't think you can even trade on this offseason. Um, but I, I just love love what he brings to the table. I think it was a great find at number four. Uh, secondly, the other thing that I'm loving. Jabari Smith is doing the one thing that I want Jabari Smith to do. I know we all want him to make shots, but everybody wants everybody to make shots. The one thing that Jabari Smith, I think, can control most nights is rebounding the basketball. He had 17 rebounds yesterday. He had 11 or 12, 11 or 12 against Phoenix. When Jabari's doing that, and look, making the shots are one thing. Like, obviously, he's going to shoot the three, and if he makes threes, yay. If he doesn't, you know, oh, dang, that's not, that suck, that stinks. But Jabari has to be a good rebounder. Yeah. And when he, look, I'm not expecting him to get 17 rebounds every night. But if he can be a double-digit average in the on the glass, that's going to incredibly increase his stock because he's a good shooter. If he's giving you 10 rebounds, his size with his defense, that's an incredibly unique talent at the four. Yeah, I think that uh, he goes when he starts feeling the positives, right? I, I think that the shot and the three-point shot in particular – Go with hand-in-hand if he's doing other things on the floor. If he's impacting the game, like you said, with rebounding, blocking a few shots, feels like he's running the floor a little bit. Sometimes he even has the ball in his hands in transition. But getting guys the ball and feeling a part of everything going on, I think he's one of those guys that momentum means a lot to. And the other thing that's going to happen more and more as he gets more mature and comfortable in this league is – his shot selection is going to change. When he's got a little guy on him, he's not going to settle for fadeaways. He knows that's a time where if he puts the ball on the floor and puts his back to the basket, he can back a guy down and he can get his shot up over the top of just about any guard in this league. But I think that in a different way than expecting him to turn out to be a superstar franchise caliber player like you know the way they're paid, he has a way to impact this franchise just by being doing the things he does best because he also has a long wingspan. He has a really good touch for a bigger guy. And defensively, short of him giving, his, giving himself his nickname of the locksmith, he can guard multiple positions on the floor, which gives you flexibility defensively, which Udoka demands. I looked it up today because I, I do think he's one of the more unique talents in the league. I'm not saying he's one of the best talents in the league, but what he does with his size, his defensive capability, his shooting, and then whenever he's rebounding like he does yesterday, he, he gives you a skill set that you don't really find a whole lot of in the NBA. That's why I think he's a really good number three 
on an NBA team. Like, if you have two really good players and he's your third guy that's giving you eight and a half rebounds, I want it to be at 10, and he's also shooting 36% from three. There's not many guys that, that, that are like that. He's only in his second season. I think he's going to eventually be a 10-rebound-a-game kind of guy. But right now he's averaging just over 8.5. He's averaging 8.6. He's shooting 365 from three. There are four guys in the NBA who average 8.5 rebounds or better and shoot 365 from three or better. That's it. Only yeah. four. He's one of those four. The other, Carl Anthony Towns, Luca, and Sabonis. Like that's pretty elite that's pretty company. company. Yeah, and he is the ideal kind of a stretch big that this league is, is tailor made for now. The way it's played, the way the game's played, and, and if you have one of those guys, it's a huge advantage in terms of flexibility, offensively and defensively. And he has the capability, like I said, because of his touch and his size, that he can do a lot of things from the o- openness of an offense. If Doka wants to get creative, and particularly defensively, because we know they don't have that many bigs, and so we also know that Shengun not exactly fleet of foot, athletic defense defensively and also sometimes isn't in the right position to rebound where kind of coming over to help and also being able to clean the glass is something that's imperative between him Jeff Green and anybody else playing when Shangun's on the floor because of the fact that if he has limitations they are defensive 8458 Rockets need a shot blocker the center is slow doesn't protect the rim Chet Small and Shingun couldn't dominate him it's fair that's why yeah, they traded for Steven I, I, Adams that's why they were running a lot of switches because they knew like, it's the same way the Rockets were laying off a of giddy and basically putting Shen Goon on him because they knew that he wasn't going to beat anybody with his jump shot, but he couldn't get to the paint, and at least Shen Goon could, could keep him out. But it, Oklahoma City's well-coached, and they know that if they can run a switch and they can run a pick-and-pop a, a pick situation that gets Shen Goon onto a, a Chad Holmgren, advantage OKC, and they took advantage of it. 409, Spencer Shingun worries about reviews too much at the game, uh, at the game and he, he wanted does. a review 10 seconds into the game. That's the one thing I noticed about Shingun. He, he asked for a review every single time. You just let him immediately. Have, give him a ball to spin on his finger to take him away from the fact that every trip down the court, he's got the finger waving in the air that he wants another replay review. It's annoying. 7557, five, I'm all for the ping pong balls, but can we just win eight more games so we get the over win total of 32.5? All right, get to 33 wins, collect the most ping pong balls you can, and they get lucky, hoping your pick lands in the top four. Because if it doesn't land in the top four, it's going to that's Oklahoma why, City. That's why I'll take the under, because I think the more ping pong balls, the better to try right. to get to oh, yeah. the top four. I just I want the I want I the member you. of the hive to win his bet, and then get get lucky. Good karma. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESP and HRMP listener line. Killer Bees broadcasting live. Republic Boot Company in the Heights. Are, are you coming around to the idea of Saquon in Houston? Because there are reports that interest is mutual. Between the two. It's Killer Bees broadcasting from Republic Boot Company on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First a moment, though, on Pro Dunk Hoops, highest quality basketball goals you'll find. We're just a few days from March, and March is the season you want to hoop in your driveway. So get on it. Get on it now. The goals from Pro Dunk, better than anything you'll find in the big box stores. Tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware, height adjustable. It's rust-proof, too, which you have to have in this Houston heat with the humidity we have as well. Five feet to ten feet. Anywhere you, anywhere in between is where you can put these basketball goals. You can lower it down, throw down some jams, raise it up to ten feet, work on your shot, do all of that. Their new goal, Thor, you can raise and lower the goals from five to ten feet using a drill. It's a lightning adjust feature. You can get anywhere from five to ten feet in ten seconds. It's idiot proof for guys like me. It makes it easy and very, very fun to do as well. Their accessories are next level. LED light kits for night play. You work. Kids are in school we get it you can only play at night we'll get an led light kit with your goal from pro dunks you can play at night backstop nets pull pad lettering lots lots more you can order everything including professional installation online yes the pros at pro dunk professionally install your goal at the perfect height perfectly straight you don't do a thing let the pros at pro dunk do all of the work for you give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit produnk.com that's produnk.com 